Hey guys, so today's podcast is on recovery. We're going to go through a few steps on how to get the most out of your training through recovering with the right methods. Definitely. And I think it's good to start off by saying, um, although there's a point of view for the term overtraining, I think it definitely comes down to if you're under recovering. Yes, 100%. Like there's very few people I've met who overtrain because they don't have the they don't have the um, they don't have the fire or drive like they don't or my, I should say skill or training age would be probably the biggest contributing factor to why they don't actually overtrain. A lot of people don't train hard enough. Like ninety percent of people I meet don't train hard enough. Uh, there's a few ten percent of people that actually need to step back and take time to recover but there's a few things that can speed up recovery especially if you're a stronger athlete um when it comes down to driving your sessions through your central nervous system which is what happens when you're doing strength type workouts you are going to find you're going to have a longer um time to recover so central nervous system for those of you who don't know takes six times longer to recover than muscle um, do you want yeah. to say anything on that? Yeah, and that's when it comes down to, and it's not a sexist thing, but females can recover quicker in that sense and handle greater frequency because not only the load on the central nervous system, because it's just, unless like you're super insane like Steffi Cohen or anything like that, most females are lifting like less comparatively to equivalent strong um, men or males. So that actual load, the actual kilograms on the central nervous system, has nothing to do with um, your own intensity, but the actual kilograms on the bar therefore mean that females um, recover quicker and can train more frequently in that respect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, exactly that, the central nervous system. And um, we spoke about sleep a lot in one of our other podcasts, but um, sleep is pretty much your key to recovery. Yes, and despite what sort of training you're doing, if you are in a state or you are in a deficit of energy, then one of the biggest things that are gonna work for that is gonna be your sleep and how well you're sleeping. Um, next uh, is obviously gonna come your macronutrients and your micronutrients from your foods and how they affect you. So again, just touching again on what Olivia said about training is that um, females yeah, generally don't need as long to recover that's why i can get through sets with shorter rest periods uh, majority because number one they don't lift as heavier loads and two generally are uh, the fitter of the two between the male and female (laughs) (laughs) but out of us two anyway um when we're talking about the central nervous system uh something that i like to structure especially or especially for strength programming is a deload week so a full week of deloading this is not something I'd do if you've only been training for one to two years. This is something I'd do if you've been training for three, four, five, ten years plus. Um, because it takes about that long a time for you to be able to build up a solid base and understand how to fully utilize every single and switch on every single cell in your body to be able to lift a heavy enough load to actually get to a point where you feel fried, mm-hmm. where you are absolutely wrecked. Um, like I said, it's 10% of the gym's population that can reach that. That's because only 10% of the gym are there after the first four or five years of training. <laughs> Most people go for a couple of years and go, yeah, I'm a gym junkie. And then they stop and go, all right, I was a gym junkie. Well, no, <laughs> like you gotta remember why you're doing things. I'm starting to ramble now, but um, <laughs> all right. 
back into uh, so it's that the same recovery. principle with deload. It's the same principle of optimized performance in sports um, periodization where you have a taper before a performance and also opt, um, it's just a, a technique of managing load um, in order to promote recovery and optimize performance so you don't get that burnout because you can go into an overcompensation phase whereas where you're going to then use that you basically purposely dig yourself into a ditch and then smartly use recovery or you go the other way which is overtrain where you dig a ditch and then you just keep digging it yeah so there is methods to overtraining we've called um super accumulation it's a method of training i've done before this is where you push yourself into like you said uh, a big metaphorical ditch or a massive deficit of recovery so it takes a lot longer to recover um, this again is a technique is not something i recommend for the average person uh, but when we're talking about getting to a point where you're in a ditch you need to recover like there's no biggest thing no bigger thing that comes sleep and we'll touch a bit more on that like when it comes down to your sleep quality again we spoke about this in another podcast but uh, when it comes down to your sleep quality the importance of that and getting quality over quantity is the biggest thing so you can go to sleep some nights uh, you, might, you might sleep a standard eight hours but you have you wake up every other hour or you toss and turn all night or you might have sleep apnea or something like that your sleep quality is going to be leaving you fairly crap feeling pretty crap when you wake up in the morning compared to if you had a solid dead to the world eight nights uh, eight hours um, sleep a night so big difference in quality there and how you're going to feel in the morning because again I always say to people push through if you can but there was there's always a point too when you need to step back and go all right am i going to get the most out of my session if i go on today and try give it everything i can yeah yeah so definitely sleep it is your main site of recovery and then next thing which you mentioned would be um your macronutrients and this is where it's kind of contentious but meal timing is definitely just another um tool and tool shed i guess <laughs> yeah tool and toolbox when it comes down to recovery is eating the right foods and understanding that muscle tissue which is what's getting damaged under resistant or weight training the best way to recover that is to eat muscle tissue so yes you can take supplements yes you can take the amino acids you can take the proteins but if you're not eating meat then you're not going to get the full benefit of recovery um, again i touched this in the last podcast about uh, nutrition but the sort of people that need like out of anyone in the sporting world who actually needs a quick muscle recovery from supplements would be bodybuilders because they in their sessions if you've never done um or been trained by an actual bodybuilder um you probably can't comprehend the fact of how much volume they do and how hard they go in one session to do just one muscle so much freaking damage like it's absolutely insane and take my hat off to them take my hat off to anyone that lifts any sort of weight for a sport to look a certain way or perform a certain way yeah um, and that's when it comes down to if you're um training for performance or for like aesthetics in that sense and you're trying to build muscle or anything like that that's when pre intra and post nutrition becomes really important yeah and so in the pre stage before you train you're looking to get some carbs in because at, when we're looking for performance, you're, you don't want to be just running off like blood glucose and then running through that and then it will go into your tissue um, glycogen and everything like that. So carbs first is setting yourself up. Recovery is not only post-training. You can really um, 
set yourself up for success by being prepared before your session. Yes, 100%. And then intra, so during the session, this is where we normally have BCAs or have clients on taking aminos as they're um, yeah. coined. And in the circumstance, like you said, with bodybuilders and that type of training, um, looking for an intracarb as well. Yes, for that massive and massive stored uh, glycogen depletion that yeah. comes from heavy or high volume training is where you'd start adding in carbs. So any of my clients who are on bodybuilding style workouts where it is high volume and high intensity at the same time, then I do add in BCAs or essential amino acids preferably during training, uh, as well as carbohydrate source before, during or after, not all at the same time, unless they yeah. are prepping for a comp, yeah. um, bodybuilding type comp. And a good analogy, which I learned for this is basically when you're training, you're delivering a whole heap of blood to that muscle because blood obviously gives oxygen, which allows the muscle to work and contract and do what it's doing. I don't think I'd do a set long enough for that to happen, but <laughs> go on. So in this magical word. <laughs> um, and so you're, you're sending all this blood there and basically it's like a train. If you're gonna, you're just, if you're gonna send empty blood, then you're not getting the benefit of if you had your aminos and your carbs kind of on that train getting shuttled into the muscle. So you kind of think of it that way that you want to use in this opportunity to get that nutrients in. Yeah. And like another way, look at this is just on the other end of the scale because I'm a big one for food is that if you're going to eat a meal two hours beforehand, give it time to digest and have um, a moderate amount of carbohydrates that uh, I, when I say moderate, I mean, as in enough to actually be able to get you through the workout, yeah. uh, that will release into your blood in time for you to actually have one, the amino acids from the protein and two, the carbohydrates ready to go. So generally, if it's coming down to food, get your food in before training. Yeah. Otherwise, if you push for time, supplements, that's where supplements come in. Because supplements, again, are only supplementary to food. Mm-hmm. And then post-workout, what's your thought on carb timing and carb type timing? Yes, uh, definitely. So. Preferably your, again, depending on the person. And the goals. The goals, yep. the body fat, the type of training, the rep range, the frequency, the muscles as well. So someone like, um, let's use Olivia example, someone like her who has quite large or quite muscular legs and she also has quite muscular back, but her shoulders and arms in comparison aren't as big. Um, so for her on her leg and back days, she would have higher carbs due to those being larger muscles. On a shoulder and arm day, it would be a lower carb day for, so when we're talking about post-training, a lower carb meal post-training. And again, it would depend on the type of carbs, preferably always a higher glycemic type um, carbohydrate. That way it's gonna have a quicker breakdown and a quicker conversion over to refilling those depleted glycogen stores. Yeah. And this is all again talking about recovery and optimizing performance and everything like that. Obviously, it's different when um, exactly if you're going for like a fat loss, where it's not exactly a recovery performance goal, it's a different type of goal. So that's where things, the principles still apply, but they obviously get modified. And you'll see that in your plan if you're on one of those. And there's very, there's a lot of, well, there's different coaches and different opinions on recovery. Um, some believe that fats are like really good for post-training as well. Like, we've got nothing against adding f- 
some small amount of fat in with a protein supplement, so i.e. would be peanut butter. Why is because uh, there's a theory, this is based off a theory again, that in nature, in paleotathic, paleotathic, can you say the word? Paleo times, <laughs> those times, <laughs> yeah. got tongue tied. But uh, in times when we didn't have grocery stores and we had to hunt for our own food, that all the meat we ate was with some sort of fat yep. because animals were generally fatter, temperatures were generally colder, so animals had to store more body fat. And so for us to actually break down protein um, well, uh, we needed some sort of fat source to go with that. So there's a theory based on that. Um, some people, again, base a whole theory off keto for performance, but I've never met an exceptionally strong or well-performed athlete who swears by keto and doesn't use carbohydrates to fuel their performance. There's some freaks of nature out there. Um, I think it come from cyclist studies who use um, keto as, and say it's their performance, but again, if you look at most cyclists on the top end of the spectrum, they're using performance enhancement drugs, which are full of oils or medium training triglycerides as mixes. Um, their body's gonna be much more efficient at breaking down fats and utilizing that as energy compared to the average person trying to use keto for performance. So just keep that in mind, that's, that's pretty important. That's a little bit off topic, but still talking about recovery and um, post-training meals, fats versus carbs there. Yeah. Um, do you wanna go into some other supplements? Like, again, we're gonna talk a little bit about supplements now um, with training, uh, magnesium. What's your take and thoughts on magnesium? Um, mainly from a point of view of, I know you use it a lot for the central nervous system calming effect, but it's also got an effect on the, like, the muscle recovery and it's kind of secondary to that effect on the central nervous system. Um, and a big thing is just like they used to, like the old um, treatment of, oh, if you get cramps, have salt. The reason they say that is due to the magnesium chloride in um, salt so it's actually the magnesium component um, in preventing cramps and stuff like that and uh, getting your electrolyte balance back yeah and especially if you're an athlete or you're someone who sweats a lot or does a training that's going to cause you to sweat a lot then getting electrolytes in is a big part of recovery as well like it's another contributing factor to recovering well there's like there's a lot of if you look at like your body being 100% when it comes to recovery. Like the biggest thing is gonna be your sleep, which will take 40%. The other thing will take 40% will be your food. Um, and then that last 20% will be mixed up between your micronutrients, uh, supplementation, and training, sorry, um, times of the day that you train. Uh, for me, I can't train past 4 p.m. in the afternoon. I it absolutely ruins my night's sleep because even though I supplement with magnesium to help bring my central nervous system down and get me a good recovery at night as well. Just help me get into a better sleep rhythm. Um, if I train past 4 p.m. at night, it, um, I'll, I'll wait till one, two in the morning, not being able to sleep because I'm so, I switch on so much for my session. And there's a lot of people in who train specifically for strength goals who go through this. Some people don't, um, but again, different people, different results there. Yeah. Yeah, so the timing and giving your body that time to recover, so um, that comes down to frequency of sessions, duration of sessions, all that kind of stuff. But again, I think it's very, very individual. 
um, yeah, what you can handle. Yeah, there's people out there that can run ultra marathons like week after week. Mm-hmm. Like there's some amazing humans out there who can do some amazing things and recover very quickly. Um, their bodies are just are designed to be able to be very efficient in the way they recover. But for the average human, um, or the average person, when it comes down to recovery, it's being able to manage. Oh, sorry, another. I should add into another big thing is stress. So being able to manage your stress levels and where they are at. Because if you look at training, training is a form of stress on the body, um, and again, it's also going to be coming to other areas. So work is another big, well, one of the main stresses for people. Um, finances, the other one of the largest stresses. If you've got kids, you know all about that and stress levels. Um, and what's the other big thing on stress? So we've got work, family, training, and I'm trying to think. There's one more thing. I can't remember off the top of my head right now. But yeah, so main factors come into uh, life stresses. And you got to realize that your training is a stress and you've got to manage that stress on top of all your other stresses because you might be going to the gym only four days a week or three days a week, but you find you're not recovering from those sessions, but you're also working 12-hour days you got two or five kids getting ready for school. Like your life's all, your life's full on from the moment you wake up. So trying to dial everything back to suit that is, um, yeah, it will help your recovery as well. Yeah. And just the, the physiological effect of cortisol, which we've kind of gone on before. And yeah. so that's the the mental stress, but then the physiological, what actually goes on and how yeah. that prevents recovery. Yeah. And, uh, sorry, the other biggest stress is food. Uh, so overeating or overeating too much at a set time. Um, we touched this, touched on this again in the last podcast, but yeah. So food can be a big stress on the body as well. Eating the wrong types of food or eating the wrong types of food at the wrong time. Um, that can be, that can have some sort of stress on the body. Not like, again, this is not the, if you're looking at your body on the hundred percent, this is again down the, 20%, one, two, three, four, five percent marks that will play a role. But again, if you if you like to keep all boxes ticked, then it's just another thing that you can manage. Mm-hmm. And then from a physical side of things, I just say um, when it comes to things like stretching or foam rolling, anything like that. So studies suggest that shouldn't do static stretching before a session because it can impact strength. They say like that. that, but I like to stretch. Yeah, but I think we do a lot of like going through range and yeah, there's like preparing the exercise rather than holding true. exercise for kind of holding a static stretch for thirty seconds. Again, there's a time and place when you feel like you're really tight. Um, stretch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, kind of post training, making sure you're giving your times, um, your body some time to cool down um, and focus on some of that recovery side of things and making sure that you're still, you know, just strong, still mobile yeah. and everything like that. One of my favorite things for recovery is uh, ice bath. I attempted to do it in our place here. I know we're, we're only, we live in a two bedroom uh, apartment in Leadable here and we've got a balcony and I tried to do an ice bath out there. That was, that was a nightmare, but um, yeah, ice baths are great for recovery just reducing inflammation in your body because yeah like i said training being a stress that causes inflammation within the body um your body's way of dealing with that inflammation um that's another way you can help with that process is ice baths uh another favorite of mine is actually yoga i love yoga um because i find it quite boring sitting there holding a stretch but 
yoga is something where the positions for someone my size is actually quite difficult and for a lot of other people quite difficult to hold um, not something that I do like daily but something that I'll try to do weekly if not fortnightly is get a yoga session in to actually stretch and keep myself mobile and yeah. keep me in sync with different areas of my body that don't get trained specifically in the gym yeah and just as much as it is a physical recovering method does have that mental um, recovery side of everything which I think the two together are really important yeah um, so obviously your brain controls everything and what you're thinking can influence everything so yeah. being on top of your mental and physical recovery yeah and 100% like there's if I look at my recovery from my session yesterday you want to explain to them how I pulled up after my session yesterday after having so just for you that don't know that um, my session two days ago was a heavy squat day uh, then I had a heavy bench day yesterday yeah um, how how was I after that heavy bench session potato I was absolutely you were mashed potato you I were was injured and potato I, I felt like I was injured I wasn't injured um, I pull, I ended up pulling my hamstring during my bench press from pulling and uh, driving through my legs so much but again it was uh, it was misprogrammed by myself having the heavy bench day next to the heavy squat day um, but that massively affected my recovery to the point where I was in bed for about four hours afterwards and could not move to save my life yeah but again it's saying that I woke up today had a full rest day and then be back in heading it hard again tomorrow so exactly just managing yeah. that load yeah 100 percent managing total load and that's another way where you can look at it too this is more advanced again is but managing total load in a session per kilograms of weight lifted so you might have a session where you've done x amount of reps x amount of sets at say 100 kilos next week you do the same amount of reps and sets at 120 kilos so if say if it was a 10 by 10 that's a extra two ton or something onto your session so keeping things in mind um would it be two ton or 200 i'm lost yeah okay yeah but yeah you know what i'm saying about adding the extra load so if your weight's going up periodizing your training yeah exactly uh that's pretty much it for recovery guys is there anything more you want to add no awesome all right thanks for watching and listening guys have a good night